Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. It is noon on a Wednesday. It is uh, time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Aaron Maloney is here with those stories. Aaron? So the Suns improved to 7-0 and with Kevin Durant and are locked into the fourth seed of the West as they beat the Spurs last night, 115-94. Here's Devin Booker after the game. Uh, just staying sharp. You know, the most important basketball of the year is here um, and realizing that. So, you know, I know we in the past watched the play-in games together. Um, it just once we realize who our matchup is, just dive into that and, you know, move forward from there. Ten days away, guys. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, which team do you most want the Suns to face in the first round of the playoffs? Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans, and Wolf. I do not want you to say... Whoever, we got to beat the best to be the best. Whoever, bring on whoever. Got to pick one. Well, while you're while you're coming up with a new answer, I'll give you mine. I, I think the clear-cut, quote, easiest team, I don't think it'd be easy, but the easiest team to me is the Clippers at this point. You got Paul George working his way back from injury. I think the Lakers are more dangerous if they're healthy. The Warriors are the most dangerous. And I just, I'll keep coming back to, if you play the Pelicans, I'm afraid they're going to beat you up, and you're going to feel it in the second or third round. Okay. So I'll go Clippers. <laughs> Producers, first of all, based audience. Producers. That's number one. Uh, number two has got to be Warriors. All right. You know okay, you're going to challenge me? I think the Warriors want to play the Suns. I think the Warriors are trying to figure it out where they can actually do everything they can and manipulate it to play the Suns, to be the five seed, because the Suns are going to be the four seed. Okay. That's what you want to do? If if I, I've got a player's mentality, I'm sorry. I believe the Warriors are trying to do that. I believe they want to play the Phoenix Suns in the first round. I believe that. And because of that, I want the Suns to flip around and look at the Warriors and say, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we want. Alrighty. So 46% say the Clippers, 27% say the Lakers, 16% say the Pelicans, and 11% say the Warriors. Good pick, Wolf. See, look at that. Earlier today... <laughs> We had ESPN NFL draft analyst You're and so insider. Scared. Earlier today, we had ESPN NFL draft analyst and insider Matt Miller on, and you guys asked him point blank who the best player in this draft is. He said, To me, he's the best player no matter what. Like, regardless of position, the best player in the draft. And I, I actually like Bryce Young to CJ Stroud a lot, but I think Will Anderson is the guy in this. Then he went on to say, My comp for him was Vaughn Miller. I see some T.J. Watt in his game as well because it's this dude that has, not only is he going to just beat you with that first step speed, but he's got that little shoulder dip that he brings to the table, and he's got such strong hands that he's able to shed blockers. So Will is, to me, the guy that, you know, if you had to pick a Hall of Famer out of this draft class, I'm picking Will Anderson to be that guy. Okay, so in addition to that, NFL.com's Cynthia Freeland listed the Cardinals as the best team fit. For Will Anderson. 
So, do you ultimately think the Cardinals should move out of the third spot or explore other trade options outside of the Colts at number four if that kind of talent is sitting out there? I'm, I'm going to be not... I don't know how to word this. I'm going to come out of the first round of the draft feeling unsatisfied if the Cardinals don't come out of it with Will Anderson. Like, if you can trade down with the Colts and still get Will Anderson, that's the best case scenario, obviously. But if for some reason you have to trade down to 11 with Tennessee or 7 with Las Vegas and you don't walk out of it with Will Anderson, I'm I'm going to wonder if you missed out on something. Scary is on the wall. Scary is on his way. Will Anderson, I believe, is going to be an Arizona Cardinal. And if you can tell me somehow, some way, they can actually get him at number four by trading with the Indianapolis Colts or sitting there at four. Oh, man. Slam dunk, Monty Austin Ford. I can't wait for your freak show this year. Is he going to be on it? Oh, yes. Cool. According to Kyle Odegaard, the Cardinals will have new uniforms this season. Officially unveiling, expected to be in the lead-up to the draft, which begins April 27th. So what would you both like to see the Cardinals' new uniforms look like? I, I know I'm kind of in the minority here. I don't. The Cardinals' current uniforms don't bother me. I'm not saying that they can't be made better, but I, I know I know it bothers a lot of fans. Um, well, Rick in particular. Yes, it, it definitely bothers Rick. That came out pre-show meeting. Yeah, yeah. You've got you've got to get rid of the busy sleeves. Go back to like the Wolf era, or maybe like incorporate the Arizona, incorporate the Arizona flag. Keep the white helmet. I love the white helmet. Maybe switch up to like a white face mask, or maybe a. A you know a yellow face mask like the, Ooh, the like beak. A beak yeah, yeah. I, I don't hate the yellow face mask but the thing is there's a fine line you're gonna have to walk here because there's too many other like you know me I wolf I would just say okay yeah. go, go all black the problem is Atlanta already kind of has that you're you're already a bird and there are other teams with black and or red so you got to be careful that you don't just look like somebody else but if you go with the yellow face mask you don't want to look like a cartoon character either. Yeah, you know, I, I'm with you on this. I, I just, I don't know what's wrong with the Arizona Cardinals uniforms right now, but there are a lot of people vociferously saying that they must change their uniforms right now. I, it is stunning to me. Like, I didn't know there was that kind of angst that was out there in regard to the Arizona Cardinals uniform. I'm guessing you don't hang out on, like, Reddit a lot, <laughs> but if you do, oh my goodness, you know that it's out there. The Diamondbacks erased a four-run deficit to beat the Padres yesterday 8-6. You guys just had on D-backs GM Mike Hazen, and he talked about yesterday's nice bounce-back win and went on to say... Every team blows games in the ninth inning. Every single team, even the ones that win the World Series every year. The one, the best ones around are able to go and put that to bed the next day, go out and win a baseball game, and then everybody forgets it, and we you're able to move on very quickly as opposed to allowing it to snowball. And I think yesterday's win was, was, was a good a good indicator that we have various ways to beat you. Um, you don't just have to roll out the next day and put 10 runs up and, you know, it, it doesn't matter who pitches. Um, it, it it was it was a tough game. You know, we went down. We went down by a decent amount um, and, and we came back. So it was good to see. Your reaction to that? 
First of all, Hazen continues to be one of my favorite interviews we have. He came after you today, Wolf. (laughs) Even before that. (laughs) That was so good. Michael, he's going to overreact. You know he is. He asked the GM of the team to overreact. You should. Next time we have him on, you should play the panic button for him. I know. Exactly. Uh, No, I I mean, I think what he said right there is is pretty spot on. Like, you're going to... You're going to have games that you feel like you should have won that you lose over 162. Now, you do need to limit those. You can't have 41 bullpen losses like they did last year. But the biggest thing, and we said this on the show yesterday, Wolf, before that game even started, you can't let it snowball. And I was impressed that the D-backs came back and beat San Diego in the game where you Darvish was pitching yeah. after they lost the one where Ryan Weathers was starting. Yeah, here's my problem right now. I know I'm not answering the question, but here's my problem right now. I, I am in love with this team. <laughs> They're three and three. They're five hundred, and I am just like out of my mind because they. Uh, I I'm fascinated with how they play the game of baseball, and all you need to do, Basinonians, is go watch the eighth inning. Specifically of yesterday's game, the eighth inning overall. Oh my goodness. When we're sitting around and we're talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks and what could be on the horizon, what kind of season might the Arizona Diamondbacks have? The microcosm of this season. And one of the reasons why you should have hope about this team and for this team is the eighth inning from yesterday's game. Both the top and the bottom. Go look at it again. That's what I think this team could be. I might be worse off than you because I have subconsciously convinced myself if they get out of these first 10 games, 500 or better, they're going to be a wild card team. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that's, that's a real that's a lot of, lot of baseball Luke. to be played. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Win lower-level tickets for this Thursday's D-backs home opener against the Dodgers. Just text BASEBALL to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. Again, that's BASEBALL to 620-620. When we come back, over to basketball. The Suns have clinched the four seed and they are a perfect seven and zero with KD in the lineup what are your biggest takeaways as we enter the final few games of the regular season that's next it's wolf and luke on arizona sports the local sports leader arizona sports the local sports leader wolf and luke Suns run to the playoffs coverage brought to you by canvas annuity score up to 6.25 percent on your retirement savings In terms of playoff positioning, there's really nothing left for the Phoenix Suns to play for. They are locked into the four seed. They're going to have home court. Can't jump up to three. They got a few. In terms of uh, in terms of playoff seeding or the standings, meaningless games left. Now, I would mm-hmm. argue that it's they're still meaningful because this team hasn't played together very much this season. So any game you can get them to 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 get out there on the court together and fine tune some things before the playoffs, I think is big. But in terms of the standings, Wolf, nothing they do in these final three games matters. Okay, so let's talk about the final three games right now, Basinonians, okay. because you've got to draw up. You've got to draw up. Where are you on this question? I'm about to ask Luke right now and you've got to answer it at some point in time are you going to play your guys do you play your guys i i still do yes i still do um i agree with you you got to play your guys you can control their minutes got no problem with that but i'm playing my guys so here's the thing you if it's me i'm still playing them i know there's the risk if somebody gets hurt you'll never hear the end of it i get it but 
um, you're going to have a week off after Sunday. Basically, it might be like six days or whatever, but you're basically going to have a week off before the playoffs anyway because you don't have to deal with the play-in. So guys are going to get their rest. It goes back to what I was saying at the start of the, you know, coming out of the commercial break. This team hasn't got to play together enough this yeah. season. And, you know, if, if the playoffs started tomorrow, would I be like panicked? Oh, they never got to play. No, I mean, they played seven games together and they won all seven. There's clearly, when you watch them, there are still things they could fine tune before a seven game series against Golden State, let's say. I think you still play them. But, and Kellen pointed this out, Kellen Olson, when he was on with us yesterday. It's worth uh, remembering that's that game against the Clippers on Sunday is a twelve thirty start. So from Thursday night at seven o'clock through twelve thirty on Sunday afternoon, or I guess to the end of that game, they're going to play three games in less than four days. Yeah. So the minute management is a real thing that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, I'm not worried about the minutes as much in terms of the cardio because you're playing three games in four. Four nights. Um, for me, it's more the injury situation. I think that's what a lot of people are probably concerned about right now. But you can't live your life that way. You just can't. You, you can't coach a team that way. You can't play. You can't compete in a sport that way, thinking you're going to get hurt. I can't tell you. There was a back when I was playing in the National Football League. There was a a thought process that was so prevalent that if you went out there and thought. At all about how you might oh, get Oh, I hurt. remember this growing oh, up. Oh, no, but, yeah, man. Yeah. Luke, it was like you were going to get if hurt. You th- if, you, if you think that you're going to get at least it was this way in hockey, too. If, you, if you're thinking about getting hurt or yes. even if you come back from injury, you are more susceptible to injury because you're not, you're yes. not going all out. <laughs> yes, um, you're, you're, because you're thinking about it. You might hesitate for a split second, and that split second is the reason why your knee got bent. You didn't get into sports to not play. You know, like you didn't get into sports to be afraid to go out there and play. Exactly. Now, this is where it's going to fall on Monty Williams to be smart about the minutes because you do need to be smart too. But the thing is, you, you, you already did something to help combat potential injuries by avoiding the play-in. So you don't have to play next Wednesday, and then if you lose, play next yes. Friday or whatever. You don't yes. have to do that. You get next week off because you were smart enough to find a way to get into the top six. You didn't have to be top four, but you know you get home court now, too, so that's nice. You've already kind of done that. Here's Devin Booker uh, after the game yesterday. They asked him what's keeping everybody sharp right now. Yeah, and we have new players. We have Kevin out there, too, TJ in the lineup, and you know we're kind of behind a bit if you're talking experience-wise together. Um, but a plus in the talent level, I'd say. So, you know, just figuring that out. Even tonight's game, if when we were up 30, I'm sure we would have played most of the game, regardless how much we were up, just to, you know, find that flow and find that rhythm. That's See, it. That is a great thing, right? He there. just said it. Yes. He just said it. Yeah. We're yes. a little bit behind experience wise, but he did throw in, but a plus in the talent level. Yeah, yeah, right. A plus <laughs> in the talent. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Book. Yes. Um, but, you know, this is what I, I'm thinking of Monty Williams and cuts that you played for Monty Williams a couple of days ago. Um, remember when Monty was talking about, I care more about the how we go out and play, right? As it, a, as the a, stacking how or something. Exactly. Stacking, yeah. the, the how you're going to go out there and do it. And that's what he's looking for right now. Yes, you wanted to win those games. It was critical. Now, all of a sudden, the Suns are there. They're, they're, they're the four seed. They've secured that. It feels fantastic to know that they're going to have that first round home court advantage. They've secured the number one or the number four seed 
excuse me. That's that's the number one goal they had to have, I think. And I wanted them to have that goal and embrace the goal of saying, yeah, we, we want to get in the top four seats. We have to. We 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 expect that we're going to do that. I wanted them to want that Basinonians because now all of a sudden you got to go out and back up what it is that you want. But Monty Williams talking about the how is even more important. Yeah, here it is. You know, I'd like the wins. We always talk about that. We're grateful for every win that we get. But I'm more concerned with the wins and how we play. Uh, we had a two for one situation at the end of the third. That was not. That's not what we do. We usually usually execute those uh, well, um, and then they trap book a couple of times, and we didn't get to our spots quick enough um, the way that we need to. So I love the wins, and we got to keep winning um, just based on where we are. At the same time, I want to be able to win and stack solid as best as we can. That's something we've talked about all year, just continuing to stack solid so that we can get a rhythm. And I think if we do that um, and the guys get used to playing with one another, I think we're going to be in good shape. I feel like Stack Solid is like written on the wall Stack in the locker room or something. Or it's Jerry Stackhouse's nickname. I don't know. Yeah. One of the two. See, it wouldn't be a bad band name, would it? Stack, Stack Solid. Solid. You know, for, for me, though, again, now what does that mean over the last three games that we might see? What do you want to see? Well, you know what? We're not going to run them out there in, in 35 minutes from Kevin Durant or 36, but maybe it's 27. Well, maybe it's 26. He talked about that, too. They asked Monty how he's going to handle starter minutes specifically down the stretch. We're trying to build their capacity to handle those minutes right now, you know, allowing Kevin to have longer stretches. Uh, Book is pretty much where he's going to be, probably bump up two, three, maybe four more minutes to get him to 40. We typically get him at about 36. And Chris, you know, we got to get him to, you know, 36, 32 to 36. So, you know, this this game was good because they had longer stretches. And I think that's what builds the endurance and capacity to handle it without getting to that, that exhaustion limit. And so we, we're hopeful to, you know, win these games that we're playing. But we also want to build cardio so that those guys are ready because um, we're grateful to be able to play in the playoffs again. That okay, kind of sounds like they're going to play a little bit. Exactly right. So does that mean, Monty, you've got three games that really, you know what, three games, they don't mean anything to you in terms of where your seating's going to be. Does that mean you're you're going to totally run D book out there for forty minutes? <laughs> I mean, I have a hard time seeing that. that. Yeah, I can't imagine that. But the way he's talking, if he, it, you know, this is tough, right? If you if you want to condition guys to be able to play those sure. minutes, and Booker, like he said, is a little bit of a different thing. But that almost sounds like like I would approach it. You got three games, okay? KD's playing all three, but he may only play twenty minutes in most of these. Right? He almost sounds like. He'd rather play two of the three games because it's still two games and four nights, right? But play in those those two games. Interesting. It's I gonna could, be it's gonna be great to see how he handles this situation. Yeah, that's no, big. And look, here's the thing: I always hate this time of year when people are like, "Well, you owe it to the other team." No, you don't. <laughs> look, however they want to manage these games, I don't care what it does to the Lakers or the Clippers playoff seating. Well, you didn't play your guys against the Lakers. All right. Well, the, the Suns have earned that right by locking up a home court with three games to go. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, we come back. Uh, allegations against the Cardinals. How are the, the Cardinals going to handle this as a distraction going forward? And also, 
Aaron kind of alluded to this, but uh, Will Anderson, there's more and more people saying he's not just the best player. He might be a perfect fit for the Cardinals. We'll get into that next. It's uh, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show here. This is Wolf and Luke Wednesday afternoon now. We assumed we would be talking pretty strictly NFL draft at this point. It's three weeks from tomorrow, and we still are going to. And I do want to get into the uh, the stuff Cynthia Freeland wrote about in terms of Will Anderson specifically being a good fit for the Cardinals and vice versa. We'll get Love into that, that in a little bit. I also found this to work this in later on in the show. Somebody had a, uh, in one of the mock drafts, had a specific return that the Cardinals could maybe expect from the Colts if they moved down one spot. Yeah. I got to say, it was a lot more than I was anticipating. Yes. Now, it's just one site's opinion, but we'll get into that, too. It was, I think that was on NFL.com. Uh, but what we are now talking about is the stuff from yesterday that broke late during our show with Terry McDonough and his uh, his claims against the uh, the Cardinals and, and really specifically Michael Bidwill. Um, we had Mike Sando on earlier. He uh, he talked to us about that, among other things. I'll play this clip for you from uh, Ryan Clark to get it started this time here, Wolf. Clark talking about the difference, because people are making the connection. Oh, look what happened in the NBA. Now it's going to happen in the NFL. He said it's not the same league. I think we've seen this before in the NBA, whether it was the Los Angeles Clippers, obviously across town with the Phoenix Suns. And you see that the NBA deals with these things extremely sternly. Marcus mentioned the Washington commanders and the multiple reports we've heard of misconduct coming out of that building and the NFL hasn't necessarily dealt with owner Daniel Snyder and that organization in the way we've seen things handled in the NBA. They haven't shown that the people come first and we know that there's a huge difference between the two sports. The one is player driven uh, and one is fan driven whereas the NFL is about the owners. The commissioner Roger Goodell gets his contract renewed by the owners and so in judging them and critiquing them and dealing with them they've been a ton more lax than they are with the players and now they have an opportunity to investigate this thoroughly act swiftly act sternly and do the right thing by the people in that building and so we'll see how they move forward with that yeah we'll see how they move forward with that and once again this is going to be a process a long process right now i would disagree in regard to a couple of things number one i think the nfl is also very fan driven (laughs) i do i think it's very fan driven not player driven like the nba fan driven it is definitely not player driven not not to the extent of the nba the nba the players have a ton of power and probably should the nfl it's it it varies depending on the nfl really really cares what the fan thinks They do. It's one of the reasons why they're changing the rules to the game of football. See, this is what bothers me. And you know how jacked up I get on this. Because Roger Goodell, I believe, is changing the game of football by allowing all these rules that favor the offense and really are a detriment to the defense. Where's the balance in the game? Well, don't worry about the balance, okay? We're not going to worry about that. We want offense. We want scoring. We want offensive football. That's what we want. 
And I think the game has changed. He's changed the game of football because of it. And that gets me jacked. Uh, I'm going to play this for you, too. We had Mike Sando on earlier, and he he had a lot to say. We mainly had him on to ask about the story he wrote for The Athletic that we were talking about yesterday, where he does the anonymous execs and, and you know what they're saying about each team. And one of the execs said, hey, it's not really a, I don't want to say it's a throwaway season for the Cardinals, but it's a throwaway season. And so we were going to have him on today for that. Uh, but then all the stuff happened with the uh, the Cardinals yesterday afternoon, so we got to ask him about that as well. And he did say this at the end, Wolf, that I'm going to let you re- uh, react to. Because of all of these things, is going to shine a light on Michael Bidwell that probably hasn't been there before. Uh, and I think the statement the Cardinals put out after it was unusual and really, really um, strong. Uh, and I think that focuses a little bit more attention on it, too, because... Really, Terry McDonough is accusing the owner of being retaliatory. Well, that thing they put out in Terry McDonough, questioning him as a man, right, as a father, as a husband. It wasn't just office stuff. They really lit into him. Um, You could say that you could make a case that that felt retaliatory, too. You could even go back to the Kyler Murray clause. Got to do your homework. What did that feel like, right? Yeah. Okay. Listen. Um. That really bothered me. It really did. Based on needs. Listen. I. I talk about this. I want to be fair above all else. I do, and that's what I'm going to be going forward. Is fair. I don't care about being right. I'm wrong every day of my life. So to me, I want to be fair above all else. But that also means when you say retaliatory, um. You know, in my quest to be fair, once again, I need to say that if someone attacked me with the allegations that Terry McDonough attacked Michael and the organization with, I'd probably defend myself. And uh, he's 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 talking and saying some things. I haven't seen it all. But to me, Terry McDonough's saying discrimination he, he's saying that that this Definitely organization, that there, yeah. this organization that has all of of this track record of doing nothing but really trying to be um, diverse in a lot of different situations, whether it's a head coach, whether it's a general manager, whether it's front office personnel. Adele Harris, go all the way back. We're talking about in an era when nobody was talking about this kind of stuff. So that, to me, seems particularly heinous. Yeah, and look, that thought that that's Mike Sando said that to us. He's not the only one that has has made that uh, you know that observation. And look, I, I don't know. I mean, do the Cardinals today? Do they sit there and say? Maybe we could have worded it a little bit differently, not not because they have to, but because people are making that connection. But but the other the flip side to this, Wolf, and again, we don't know who's right or wrong. But to your point, if somebody accuses you of a bunch of like pretty big stuff, I think you and I both agree much bigger than, hey, they had a burner phone. Like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Totally. Um, That that, in a weird kind of way, that to me is just something, Okay, you're going to lose a draft pick, whatever it may be at some point in time. That's going to be and I'm not saying. That's the case that that happened. I'm not. But when you're talking about some of the other things that um, Terry McDonough accused Michael and the organization of, I, I think most people would defend themselves well, because then and if do you, it with vigor. If you don't, 
then people look at you and you're like, well, why why doesn't that bother you? You know what I mean? Why aren't you so angry that you just want to come out and, and proclaim your innocence? Now, again, like I said, maybe maybe there's a way to do that better where it doesn't look like you're doing exactly what the guy is saying, but there's no winners here right now. This is a mess, yeah. and it's a mess that just jumped out of relatively nowhere in the last 24 hours, too. 24 hours ago, we were just talking about football with this with this team. So... We'll see. Like you keep saying, it's it's going to play out. I mean, there's everybody can speculate and do this and that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure this is the case, or I'm sure that's, that's made up or whatever. It's going to play out because I just keep coming back to the fact that Terry McDonough is saying he has proof, and the Cardinals are saying that didn't happen. So those are so definitive that there's not this gray area of like, well, yeah. he meant this, but they sure. meant that. No, it's just... It's very clearly one is saying A and one is saying Z. And once again, anybody that is listening, you know I'm the Arizona Cardinals radio analyst. And uh, Michael Bidwell is a friend of the family. And I've known Terry McDonough at the same time for years. So this it saddens me to see it this way. It does. It really, it really saddens me. Yet at the same time, I want to be fair. So if somebody's blasting you metaphorically with a 50 caliber, are, are you going to defend yourself? You know, I, I retaliatory, you know, well, to be retaliatory, maybe there's somebody who initiated something. So, again, I just want to be fair in all of this. Uh, we come back. We'll get back to the D-backs. Nice uh, comeback win over the Padres yesterday to salvage that split. They have today off, and then four more with the Dodgers coming up starting tomorrow. So what was most impressive about that win yesterday in San Diego? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The home opener is tomorrow for the D-backs, Wolf. Look, I always encourage people to go back and listen to the show. You know, listen to it three times. Why not? On yeah. the podcast, okay? okay? But especially go back if you missed the Mike Hazen interview today for a few reasons. One, he flat out said, you know, if they needed a, a, somebody to step into a, a fifth starter role right now, it would be Dre Jameson. And he basically said that, right? He, he took the mystery out of that. Now, he said, look, down the line, if the season gets deeper, Dre Jameson may find a role permanently in the bullpen or whatever. Or, you know, somebody else, Brandon Fott, whoever might pass him up. But right now, like, if they needed a starter, we were having this conversation earlier in the week. If Madison Bumgarner was going to miss his next start, sure sounds like after talking to the GM, it would have been Dre Jameson. But Bumgarner's pitching. Yeah. Um, so there was that. He's so honest, Mike Hazen. He I is. just want to say that. For a he GM? Just, I love it. He also put you in your place about the pitch of clock. Of he did, he yes. was He was very Get on clear. board, Wolf. Get I, on board. I, We're not going back. Craig, I, go, I, watch a, go watch an NBA game without the shot clock and let me know what you think. <laughs> that was good. I'll <laughs> that, give him that. That was the mic drop right that there. That was good. You, well done on your part, Mike. It's just having a clock, period. There is no clock in baseball. Well, there, there is, is now. none. There's definitely one now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. What an indictment of our generation. 
He uh, he also, though, he talked about that win yesterday because it comes on the heels of a brutal loss to the Padres uh, in the first of that uh, two-game series because they lost with the, the two home runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Yeah. Um, look, for 162 games, having some degree of resilience is an important characteristic for good teams to have. Um, and I've said this I don't know how many times, unfortunately, but uh, maybe, maybe more than most uh, at times, but we've had our share of you know, eighth, ninth inning losses. Um, those are the hardest ones to kind of mentally regroup from. Um, when you feel like you have a win and, you you, you know, nobody counts their chickens there uh, when you're getting to the latter innings, so certainly not me. But, um, but, you know, mentally you start going to those places where you have that game in your hand to be able to win, um, and then you don't do it in I don't even know how many pitches it was. Um, it's it it's a tough thing for a team to kind of regroup from. I love what he was talking about resiliency right there. You know, in the game of baseball, when you talk about playing 162 games and the mental grind that it is. Buck Showalter used to talk to me about this all the time. Just coming to the ballpark, ready to play every day. It's the hardest thing for a human being to do when you're playing 162 games. And I get that. And the resiliency, the comeback kids of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Well, I know we're only six games into it. Oh, I know that. But that is resilience. I mean, the way we teased this segment was what was most impressive about the win yesterday. <laughs> also, go back and listen to that because Wolf tried to get the GM of the team to overreact six games into a 162-game schedule. Right. And he promptly shot you down. Okay, but, but that, to me, was the most impressive part of the win yesterday was just the simple fact that you would go out and win after losing in gut-wrenching fashion the way you did the night before. Because with the young yes. Teams, they always say one thing that might be a benefit for a young team is they don't know any better, right? Oh, we'll go out there and beat this team that we shouldn't beat because we don't know any better. But the trade off is usually the young teams don't have enough experience to draw on to be resilient. Yes. And they were resilient yesterday, actually during the game, too. Yeah. And you know what? I, the Diamondbacks were down 5 1 in the game yesterday, and they came back again, of course, just like they were down 3 2 on Monday night. Down 3 2. Corbin Carroll, jack it into the bleachers. Now it's 3 3. Right? Evan Longoria over the wall, 4 3. They came back in that game right there. And then it was 5 4 yesterday. With the Diamondbacks being down, and they scored four in the eighth inning to take an 8-5 lead. They're showing, this is DNA. This is team DNA right here. They're showing the resiliency, the toughness to come back in games. And so much of the time you hear this, this is something that a lot of baseball, a lot of veteran baseball players talk about. You don't know what you don't know. And so many young guys just don't know what they don't know. And I think that actually works in favor of the Diamondbacks right now because they've got these guys. And when you don't know what you don't know because you're a young guy trying to make your way at the highest level our species can generate, you get resiliency because of that. You become resilient because of it because you don't know what you don't know yet. We're a guy that has played... So many games, over a thousand games in Major League Baseball. Oh, you know what? I've been here many, many times before. This is it. We'll get him tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, that kind of attitude. So 
I love what I'm seeing right now with the comeback kids. It is. It's it's crazy if you take a step back and you're like, this team's three and three. You're 500, and we're all like, or at least you and I are like, this is amazing. Uh, this is Josh Rojas though after the game yesterday. Two series splits um, against some really good teams in this division, and we'll take that. Yeah, that's the thing. I I will too. And I yeah. know I said this at the start <laughs> of the season. If you can get through these first ten games at five and five. I'm good with that. Now, when we start to get to the other games this season, that's not going to be like, hey, hopefully they are 25 and 25. No, at a certain point, you're going to have to start to make a push to, to, yes. to be a legit wild card contender. But that push doesn't come in the first 10 games against the Dodgers and the Padres. <laughs> you can't make the playoffs in this first week and a half. You could get buried in this first week and a half if they had started 1 and 9 or 0 and 10. Yeah. I mean, considering the opponents they're playing, that, that wasn't inconceivable. Yes. If they come out of this at 5 and 5 or even 6 and 4 or 7 and 3, you you got to feel really good about that. Okay, Luke, are you jacked up? I, I'm really into this year's team. Yeah, I really you know am. I, so am I right now. I'm jacked up. Okay. All right, that was a little long right there. Okay, that's a what rattlesnake. What is happening? Right? No. That, that was a rattlesnake. <laughs> Give it to me right there, the first two seconds. Give it, oh, they're all oh, there. <laughs> okay, that was a little short, Mal. I mean, you know. Uh, that one's there just it right. Is, a happy medium right there. The, we got to come up with a better rattlesnake sound right now. But the snake factory, the snake factory was alive and well in that eighth inning. Did you just think of what you saw? In that eighth inning. To win a game, Luke. Knowing the way my brain works, we have to first hash this out. Snake Factory sounds like the sequel to Snakes on a Plane. Okay, good. All right, good. Uh, It is not. Okay, I'm just making sure. Snake Factory. This isn't some movie. Um, It was open and it was producing. Think about this right here. Do you want to give me a little music? A little digital download. I want Luke to think about what it is that I'm going to tell him. And anybody that's listening right now, make it soft, Mal. Make it something. Something that's, you know, interesting, something a little... Not too short or too long, though, either, apparently. Now, why'd you have to go for the jugular? This is Okay. Basinonians, the Snake Factory was open for the Arizona Diamondbacks in that eighth inning. They had three singles, three base hits in that inning. They stole four bases in that inning. Did you know that, Luke? I did. Four bases. Having watched the game, I did see the four stolen They bases. scored four runs in the eighth inning. They drew a walk for the crying out loud. One of seven. Did you know, actually, they had only drawn two walks in 172 at-bats before that? I actually didn't that know game? that. Think about that. Yeah, no, that's not great. Two <laughs> walks in 172 at-bats, and they had seven. Do you think that was a point of emphasis? It was. Well, they actually drew one of the seven walks in that eighth inning. Oh, by the way, they laid down another bunt that scored a run. <laughs> they laid down another bunt that scored a run. It was huge, was it not? Perdomo. They drove in another run on a sacrifice fly. Josh Rojas stole home when Cattell Marte stole second. They were down 5-4 going into the eighth inning, and they took the lead 8-5. But that wasn't enough, Luke. The best part of this is the replays on the TV behind you. So as you're narrating, <laughs> oh my I'm just goodness. That wasn't enough, ladies and gentlemen. It was not. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Jake McCarthy, and you heard Mike Hazen allude to this, Jake McCarthy 
caught a foul ball on a dead sprint into the wall, went over the wall, hung on to the ball for the third out. That was it. That kind of speed. Fastball lifted in the air to right. Towards the line goes McCarthy. Sprinting, running, makes the catch, and tumbles into the seats. He holds on, and the inning is over. And there were two Padres on base. How big of a play was that, Jake McCarthy? Right? That's why you built this outfield this way. These eight points. There were eight points that I just told you about in the eighth inning. These eight points are how the Diamondbacks can win games this year. It was a microcosm of what the entire season could possibly be if they're going to compete for a wild card. And that fired me up. Give me the rattling. Do you want me to make a rattling sound? Can that work for you? It's kind of like a drum roll. Okay, thank you. That sounds like a 45-foot so snake right just rattling for like an hour as it walks past you. The Snake Factory. So well, you said you didn't like producers. That's true, you did. Just like within the last 20 minutes, you took a shot of producers and then you demanded sounds. You better rattle. You demanded music. I don't know you get a better rattle than that. Like we, snakes we rattle. Get, I know, but we something a little bit more Are we going to have to catch a live snake and put it in a cage in here and, and just for baseball season? Is yes. that what's going to have to happen? <laughs> I'm jacked up. I'm in love with this team right now. Well, That's the danger zone. They are winning games the way that they will need to win games. Like the fact that it's logical lends you to believe, like, okay, this might be sustainable. Now, sustainable. The, the two things I would add, you would expect Zach Gallen to have better performances, and they're still 3-3, three and three, which is encouraging to me. But And we got into this yesterday. If you're going to be this, we're going to win with defense. We're going to win a lot of close games, probably. We're going to rally, as Mike Hazen said when, when he was on with us before. They're not going to go out there and out-homer the Dodgers. They're going to have to find other ways to win. Your bullpen's going to have to be big this season. Because when you're playing one-run games or two-run games, your bullpen needs to step up. Now, it basically has this season, we're only six games in, except for Game 5. It absolutely did not. At the end, I mean, middle relief was fine in that one, but not the end. Did you hear that, Carlos Vargas? Uh, he probably turned it off after listening to a snake rattle for two minutes. When we come back, are the Suns hitting their stride at the right time? We're going to ask Suns legend and broadcaster Tom Chambers. He's joining us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.